Now it is time to get to our sermon. So, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, in all the times that Jesus spoke about prophetic events, he never, he never talked about being afraid. What he did talk about was getting ready, though. So I, I, hope, I hope that that's, that's the way you're reacting to all of these global events now. It's just even getting excited, right? Any day now we could see Jesus. We should always be excited about that, but man, if there's something going on in the world that makes you think the end is even closer, closer than before, I, that, that should just make your heart jump with excitement. Now, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse number 21, and I'm going to continue with the series that I've been giving you from, from Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7. We've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we started at the end, laid some groundwork. We looked at how to get a blessing from the eight Beatitudes, certain virtues you need to add to your life. We talked about being good for nothing when it means the most. And then last time we looked about that we looked in verses 17 to 20 about guaranteed greatness. And that is not only believing and doing the big thing, the great commandments of the law, but even getting down to believing, teaching, and doing the least things right. And today, that's going to play right into the sermon. I believe Jesus, what he said in verses 17 to 20, it leads perfectly into the next point that needs to be made, and that is we need to go deeper. Today, by the grace of God, we are going deeper. So I'm going to ask uh, that you read with me. I'm going to read several verses here. Matthew 5, verses 21 down to 37. And after we read, we'll pray, and then we'll see what this passage has to offer for us. So verse 21, it says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka shall be in danger of the council. Raika, by the way, it means uh, worthless or useless. And then at the end it says, But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, sorry, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Verse 27, he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. 
For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Verse 33, Again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself. To forswear means to lie under oath. It's like perjury. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So if you have said, uh, I swear by God in heaven, I will do this, 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 then you, you, you have locked yourself into that vow. And in the Old Testament, you can read that you must perform that vow. There's a serious punishment if you don't. F furthermore, if you, if you invoke the name of God to prove that you're saying something true, you better be telling the truth. There's a massive punishment if you're not. Now, verse 34, Jesus says, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. So your yes should mean yes. Your no should mean no. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So with that passage, let's bow our heads and pray together. And then we'll, by the grace of God, go a little deeper. Father, we thank you for the privilege of assembling, even though it's through technology Lord, we trust your promise that where two or three are gathered, this is as much as we can gather, Lord. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. So, Lord, we cling to that promise. We ask that you please speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to go as deep as you'd have us to go. Help us to take your words as seriously as you do. Lord, please teach us something this morning. I pray that for the hearts out there that are trembling, for the feeble knees, for those that are scared, Lord, help them to lean on your promises and on your word. Help us, God, not to faint in this time, but to be ready and excited about your coming. Lord, help us now as we go deeper. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you might remember, in verses 17 and 18, Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And then he drew the attention of his disciples to every jot and tittle. He told them to pay attention not only to the great things of the law, but even those things that are least. As I tried to explain in that sermon, it's not that we should overemphasize the least things. They are still least. We should emphasize the great things more because they're great. But Jesus is trying to, I believe, bring to his disciples' attention an awareness that it's not enough to just get the big things. We need to get down even to the little things, to get all of it that we can. It feeds into the thinking for the rest of this passage, starting at verse 21. 
Jesus says, you've heard that it's been said by them of old time, but I say unto you, you've heard this, now let me take you a little deeper. Almost as if he's saying to his audience, let me think this through with you and teach you how to properly meditate in the Word. Now guys, I've, I believe you know this is true. The Bible is a deep, deep well. And we can never reach the bottom of it. I don't care how many times we read through it. You can go through it 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 times. You can continually read and never reach the bottom of this well. It's an ocean, an ocean of wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and we're never going to be able to, to dive to the depths of it. The Bible is alive. It reads you while you read it, and that is how it can continually speak to your heart. You can read one passage, and one day it'll say one thing to you, and you'll, you'll learn something from it, and it's true, and it's applicable, and the next week you read it again, and it will again speak to you, but in a different way. And it's not that the truth has changed. You've changed. And now you're in a different place, dealing with a different situation, and the Word of God can continually speak to you. But if you only stay on a surface level of the Bible and never go any deeper, I believe that you're missing out on maybe the greatest blessing that we have in this physical world, and that is to have access to the words of God. We need to go deeper into what this book has to offer. I'm sure you picked up on this, but just let your eyes glance down through the passage. Verse 21, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time. Verse 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time. Verse 31, it hath been said. Verse 33, again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. I fear that a lot of a lot of people's scripture knowledge comes simply from what they've heard from other people. Now, there's nothing wrong with hearing about the Bible from other people, listening to a sermon, to a lesson, hearing what other people have to say about a passage. There's nothing wrong with that. That's where it starts. But if that's where it ends, you're not going deep enough. If the only exposure you have to the Bible is going on today, during the sermon, now you're looking at the passage and when we finish this live stream and you close your Bible, if that's all the interaction you have with the Word of God, my friend, you're not going deep enough. You say, what do you know about the Bible? Well, so-and-so said, and my grandma said, and Uam and Tani, they said, and I heard that somebody, you know, back in history, Martin Luther said, John Calvin said, these men, these ladies, they can give you some great advice, but you need to go deeper. You need to meditate in the Word for yourself. You need to let it sink down and penetrate beyond the surface into your heart. You need to think it through for yourself. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak to you with His Word. Take on board what they've said. Don't ignore what they're saying. Take it on, but then meditate. Think it through. Go deeper. Go deeper. As I say this, I believe you'll see in the passage what happens. Jesus is going to be the example of how to go deeper. He, he takes the phrase, 
thou shalt not kill, and then he breaks it down for the next five verses and shows us all the things that you can get from that little command, thou shalt not kill. For so many of us, we're satisfied to just tick boxes. The Bible says don't kill, don't fornicate, don't lie. Well, this week, I didn't kill, I didn't fornicate, I didn't lie. Eh, done. There's so much more to that. By the grace of God, we're going to go a little deeper. I read this week a little bit about butterflies. Don't judge me. It was interesting. That caterpillar, right? You know that butterflies come from caterpillars. That caterpillar has one job, and that is to eat. A caterpillar just nonstop eats and eats and eats and eats. That's all that it does. It's just taking in the nutrition constantly. Right, now, I'm speaking to some of you. You're thinking, man, I'm in the caterpillar stage of my life. That's all I do. I just take it in and then... That caterpillar eats and eats until it's done eating, it's had enough, and then it goes into its chrysalis stage, forms it, you know, goes into that silk cocoon, and it's on lockdown for potentially weeks. Some of these caterpillars, several weeks. And it stays in that cocoon, feeding off of all the nutrition that it has taken in until it's ready to come out of this cocoon and it has been transformed. Out comes this beautiful, beautiful butterfly. And as I, as I read that about the caterpillar and the butterfly, I, I couldn't help but think, what a perfect opportunity we have. All the information you've been getting in church and in Bible school through your own personal Bible reading, you take it in, take it in, take it in. Now you're locked down for a few weeks. This is the time to let all that nutrition sink in deep and transform you. You see, it's one thing to take it in, to hear it. It's another thing to meditate on it. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, it's talking in, in Psalm chapter 1 about what the blessed man doesn't do in verse number 1 of that chapter. And then in verse 2 it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word meditate, I looked it up in the dictionary. I, this is very simple. You already know this. You know what it means? Think deeply. Think deeply. That's what I'd like to get you to do today. Go deeper. That's going to require not just eating, 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 taking in the bread, the milk, the, the meat of the Word of God, but then meditating on it, letting it sink deeper than the surface, not just memorizing it in your head. Yes, I've heard that verse, but hiding it in your heart. That's a, that's a completely different level. You're going deeper then. Think deeply. You know, it says that man who meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. You know what the next verse says? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters who brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Not prosper in the sense that you get wealthy and rich and famous and, you know, you never get sick. Not that kind of prosper. Prosper in the biblical sense is things turn out the way they're supposed to. Imagine how different our lives would be if we not only heard the Word of God, but let it sink 
deeply, penetrate into our hearts so that no matter what situation arises, we know how God wants us to handle it. I'd like to take you deeper in three ways today. Three ways. We're going to look at the cause. We're going to go deeper into the cause. We're going to use these three things that Jesus gave us in the passage. We're going to look at murder. We're going to look at fornication. We're going to look at, at essentially lying or not keeping your word, making false promises. Those three things will be our examples today. We're going to look deeper into the cause of those things. We're going to look deeper into the consequences of those things. And then by the grace of God, we're going to look deeper into the cure for those things. Before we jump into the cause, I want you to understand something, or let me say remind you of something. A few weeks ago when I preached on the eight Beatitudes, we started at verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. We looked at those that mourn, the meek, hunger, thirst after righteousness, and so forth. And I purposely in that sermon, I did explain what those things were. That was me giving you a gentle nudge. And I told you in the sermon I was doing it. I was giving you a gentle nudge simply to say, these things are so important that I am not going to explain it in great detail. I won't go in, into the depths of them because you personally need to go home, meditate on these things, think about it, investigate them, study them, and, and see where they're lacking in your life and learn how to apply these things in your life. I cannot do that for you. You have to take it deeper. So now I'm following up on that goal that I set for you. I tried to get you started, but can I ask you, friend, did you go deeper with those eight blessings, those eight virtues that we looked at? Did you investigate meekness and how it applies to your life? Did you look at your heart and, and check it for purity? Can you see in your life how you're a peacemaker or are you a peace breaker? Did, did, did you think deeply on those things? Jesus wants us to get down deep with this. Down to the jots and tittles. Think it through. Let's take a look. Let's take a look here at the cause. Now, ironically, in Bible school, this coming Wednesday, we are studying verse, this passage, starting verse 21, 22. This is right where we're at in Bible school. If you want the deeper doctrinal stuff, the prophetical stuff, how it affects the kingdom, we'll deal with that on Wednesday. Tune in for that. What I'm going to do is just speak to you practically today, the cause. Let's look deeper at the cause. Jesus, he listed three problems. Three problems. Murder fornication, making false promises. As I mentioned earlier, we're happy to just tick the boxes and say, well, I didn't murder, didn't fornicate, didn't lie, so I think I'm good. There's more to it. Jesus said, when you look at that law, thou shalt not kill, what you should do is pause and think now, okay, that's what he said, thou shalt not kill. But where does killing come from? Where does murder start? Go take... take what you're trying to avoid, murder, and go back to its root. What is the root cause of killing and murder? And that's where he says in verse 22, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you know where murder comes from? Unchecked anger. Frustration. 
bitterness, wrath, hatred that builds up in your heart and you don't deal with it properly. That is the root cause of murder. So if you can, if you can dig down deep enough and get the root of murder out, you'll avoid the murder. But Jesus, in giving us this example, he tells us, he's showing us how to use the law. Thou shalt not kill. Now dig deeper. Where does murder come from? How can I avoid it? What must I do to, to protect myself from ever falling into this pit? You know, a lot of us are never, we're never going to be murderers because we don't have the opportunity. There are other social constraints that keep us from doing it. What's a scary thought is that some of us have enough built up anger and wrath and potential. The potential is there that if everything lined up, it, if, if the opportunity came, you might do something you greatly regret. As long as everything's going well and everybody's treating you right, no potential for murder. But what about when people start to do you wrong? What, what, about, what about when a brother has offended you? You need to know the root cause of murder. You need to know the root cause of adultery. Where does it come from? It comes from what I see. By, I, I, I feed the lust of my eyes, but it goes even deeper than that. It gets down to the heart. I need to check my appetites, my lusts, my desires. You know where adultery comes from? What Jesus teaches in the passage? It comes from a marriage that isn't good. That can be one of the root causes. Here's the problem. Don't commit adultery. That's what God wants me to do or not to do in this case. Now, I need to run back to the origin, dig deep to the origin. Where does adultery come from? It comes from letting my eyes wander. It comes from letting my heart desire the wrong things and, and acting as if it's no big deal. Hey, I'm only looking. I'm not touching. No, it's a problem. That's where it starts. Dig down deep and get that root out. Fix the marriage so that you're not tempted to commit adultery. What about the last one, making false promises? Where does this come from? What's the root cause? Let's go deeper. Let's think about that. The reason that somebody would make false promises, say things that he knows he's not going to do, make a vow and then not follow through, I think this stems from a lack of self-respect, a lack of value in his heart. He does. Here's why I say that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If he is speaking vain words, if he's speaking empty words, empty promises that he never intends to fulfill, then that shows me there's an emptiness in his heart. That lack of, that lack of self-respect, I can say whatever I want, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. Words have value. It means something. When you say, I'm going to be there, you need to be there. Words are important, how you use them. Jesus mentioned at the end of verse 37, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Sometimes we like to blame the evil that we get caught up in. We blame it on society. We say, well, it's, you know, the pressure from without. And I don't doubt that there is pressure from, from the world, that, that, that peer pressure that sometimes gets us into trouble. But Jesus said in another place, all these evils come from within and defile the man. These sins take place because they come from a very deep place within us. 
Don't murder, don't fornicate, don't make false promises. Now think about that. Go deeper and go, now what would tempt me to do these things? How can I prevent them? What measures do I need to take, do I need to put in my life to protect it? If you just look deeply at what Jesus is saying here, in verse number 22, just take a quick look with me. If you say, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you're in danger of judgment. If you say to your brother, Reka, danger of the council, if you say, thou fool, you know where murder starts? Calling people mean names without, without sufficient reason to do so. Now, if somebody's done something wrong, you can point that out. But getting angry about somebody, sitting, sitting back and letting your mind run away with you, thinking about how much you hate that person, you know how it goes. We see somebody, we, we hear a comment, we maybe don't even hear the whole story, and then we start to form in our mind this picture of that person and what they, what they are probably like. And we, that hatred, that root of bitterness begins to build up and you don't deal with it properly. Calling someone names. That's where murder begins. So when I hear, don't kill, I'm going to go deeper and think, okay, then I need to be careful not to have a quick temper so that I'm not angry without a cause. I need to be careful about calling people names. I need to be careful to not think about people less than they deserve, right? Because he says, you say reka, that means useless. Hey, there may not be a cause to say that. When I, when I see don't commit adultery, what should I get out of that law? I need to protect my eyes. I need to value my marriage. I need to protect what goes into my heart, what, what my heart desires. I need to check my heart. I need to da- daily pray and say, God, search me, examine me. I need to go deeper. When a man, when it says don't forswear, when I, when I read that in the Bible, I need to go a little deeper. I need to go a lot deeper and think my words have value. And I need to be careful what I say. Rather than have to give an oath, I should just be a man of my word and do what I intend to do. I should be trustworthy. When you read these things in the Bible, don't just read them and pass on and say, well, don't kill, I haven't killed. Go deeper. Think about the cause. Can I give you some things to meditate on? You hear me all the time say, I remind you of these things and I'm not apologizing for repeating these things because they are of the utmost importance. I'm asking you now, after the sermon is done, stop and think, why does he keep harping on these things? You hear us talk about reading your Bible every day, praying every day, being faithful to church. Uh, We talk about giving to missions. We mention uh, witnessing and sharing the gospel with others. We talk about spending time with your children. We try to emphasize having a good, strong marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit and respect your husbands. Why do we emphasize these things so much? I'm not going to take time now to preach on the importance of all those things. I'm just telling you, those are some things that you want to dig deeper into. The cause. Why are they so important? If I get it right, how will it affect my life? I want to look at the consequences. Let's go deeper into the consequence of these things. In verse 21, the people of old time would say, if you murder, then you're in danger of judgment. You can go to court and there was capital punishment 
within the Jewish system. Jesus takes it a step farther and says, guys, that's not all there is to it. Dig deeper. You haven't only offended man. You've offended God. Verse 22 at the, at the end of it, there's potentially, potentially you're facing hellfire. You know, sin will always cost us more than we want to pay. It will take us farther than we want to go and it will keep us longer than we want to stay. I don't think that we appreciate fully just how, how devastating sin can be. Jesus points out in verse number 23 that if you have a problem with your brother and you're on your way to the altar to give a sacrifice, a gift to the Lord, leave the gift and go fix it with your brother. What are the consequences of having a bad attitude? What are the consequences of having a short temper? You could lose fellowship with a friend, with a brother. And that could cause you to lose fellowship with God. You know, I found this to be true. Sometimes we can have a falling out with somebody in the church. Somebody says something a little wrong. You know, it gets misunderstood. There's misunderstandings. And then all of a sudden you come to church with a bad attitude and you don't get as much out of a church service. You don't get as much as you used to. Look at what it's done. That unchecked anger has consequences. And it's now spilling over into other aspects of your life. The same thing is true in verse number 27 and on down. Jesus talks about adultery. What are the consequences? He says, guys, it's going to cost you more than you could ever imagine. Again, he points out that there are some people that will choose the lust of their flesh and, and their desire for, for that particular lust, or for that sin rather, is so strong that it will keep them out of the kingdom. There are some people that have such an appetite for sin that they will not repent, they will not give that up to follow Christ. They would rather continue with the sin than accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The consequence of adultery is not just, I'm going to have to end up in court and there'll be a divorce. Verse 31, the common thought amongst that society was, hey, there's an easy fix to this. If you mess up with adultery, you just sign the papers, divorced, you're done, that's it. Oh, no, no, the consequence is much greater. Jesus says, go to whatever extremes you need to prevent this. Go deeper with it. Take it more seriously. I think in our society these days, we've, we, we've been conditioned to think that divorce isn't that bad. It's devastating. It's devastating. In verse number 32, Jesus intimates at, uh, the devastation here because he says if, if you get divorced and there's not a proper cause for it, the cause of fornication, he, he, Jesus leaves that exceptional case there. But he says outside of that, if, if you're just getting divorced because you don't want to be together, or you can't get along or whatever other reason you throw in there, you're, you're causing other people to have a very difficult situation. You're causing somebody else to be in an adulterous, technically speaking, in an adulterous situation situation. You're affecting so many people with that. There are big consequences with divorce. Take that seriously. Think real deep of how important the marriage is. Think deeply about your kids, how it affects them. Jesus warns about 
hell being a possible punishment for those that cannot overcome lust. Now you understand, overcoming lust can only, this is only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. So getting saved and then following the words of Christ, living, living out His words, that you're going to overcome lust through that. You can be a new creature in Christ. But those that reject Christ so they can continue in sin, He warns that hell is a possible, well, it is the punishment for that. Divorce, that's hell on earth. It can be. It's serious. Guys, let's go a little deeper into the consequence for the last one about not keeping your word. Do you realize how serious that is? When you make promises and don't keep them, when you say you'll, you're, you'll be somewhere, you'll do something, and then you don't do it, that's serious. I hope you take your words as seriously as God does. God said, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Our words are important. What happens when you start making promises and you don't keep it, everybody around you, they lose faith in you. They lose trust. They lose respect. They can't take you seriously. Now that's bad in society in general, but when that applies to your home, when you say to your wife, honey, I'm going to do this, or you say to your kids, daddy's going to be there, and they can't believe you, something has gone drastically wrong. The consequences for these sins are massive. So when you read in the Bible, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, don't forswear. When you read these things, whatever the command is, think deeply about the cause how can I avoid this? Where would it come from? Think deeply about the consequence. If I ignore this and get into trouble with it, what's it going to cost me? And then lastly, I want to talk about the cure. Let's go deep into the cure. I mentioned it just a moment ago. The cure, the cure for these sins that you've read in the passage, in any sin, in any life. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The, the way that you get victory is not by believing that Jesus exists. That's not deep enough. You need to go deeper. You need to go deeper than having a historical understanding of what Jesus did on the cross because there are many people that believe Jesus did die, that he was buried, and he rose again. They believe that historical story, but they don't understand how it applies to them personally. They don't understand how that, that sacrifice that he made, is sufficient to cover all their sins. And friend, if you have never accepted that payment, that sacrifice that Jesus made as the payment for your sins, you haven't gone deep enough. You might believe that Jesus exists and maybe you believe the stories you've heard in church about the death, burial, and resurrection, but you haven't accepted it personally. The cure is not meeting Christ externally, looking at Him there and saying, yes, I believe He's there, but to have Him come inside of your heart and for you to enter into the body of Christ. That's the relationship that God intends. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. He wants a deeper relationship. 
He wants something deeper. And I believe this will naturally flow, right? You, you have Jesus come into your heart. You realize that as a new creature, you are in Christ. All things are new. Then the Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Then go deeper into the Bible. Deeper into the words of Christ. Start to meditate on Grab a verse. There's over 31,000 verses in the Bible. As you read through your Bible, don't just read it, shut it for the day, tick the box and say, well, I did my Bible reading. Stop and think about what you're reading. This meditation in the Bible can be a group project. It can be a group project. Here's what I mean by this, and I'm, I'm going to close with this illustration. Many of you have heard me talk about my favorite missionary, this man here, John G. Patton, He's a, he was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. Uh, here on the book it says, An Evangelist for Jesus Christ Among the South Sea Cannibals. This is his autobiography. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. But he talks about his dad taking him to church each Sunday. Grew up, I, I believe it was Scotland. I speak under correction there. It might have been another, another place near there, but... His mother was sick and confined to the house and couldn't get out. But his dad, every Sunday, they would pile it into the horse and buggy and head off to church. It would take them a couple hours, if, if memory serves. It would take them a long time to get to church. It was a long road to get there. They would sit through the service in the morning, long road back. Now, there were they did have an evening service even this is back in the 1800s, they had evening services, but the Patton family could not go because it was such a long journey. And because the mom was sick, she couldn't attend the morning service. So what the dad would do is he, he told the kids, now listen carefully to what you hear in church this morning because we're going to talk about it during the evening. And when they would get home, James Patton, this is John's dad now, James Patton, he would stand in front of the family and reenact the morning service. He would even try to copy the motions, the gestures of the preacher. And he would, to the best of his ability, repeat. He would stop and ask his children, now what did the preacher say on this point? What verse did the preacher quote uh, to support this idea? And the whole family got involved. And after they got done with this repeat of the service, then they would sit and talk about it and say, now what did you learn from it? What, what do you, uh, how can you apply these things to your life? Who do you think uh, we can help with this information? They would, as a family, go deeper. Guys, this is our chrysalis stage. We're wrapped in the cocoons of our home. This is the time for us now to take all the things that we've been hearing from the Bible, the things that you continue to hear through the blessing of this technology. Meditate on it. Individually, let it sink deep. And as a family, go deeper. Talk about these things. Share ideas. Talk about your plans and how you're going to apply it. But friend, take the example of Jesus Christ. You've heard that it's been said, and that's fine. He didn't rebuke that. He didn't say they were wrong. He said they've said it, now we need to think deeply 
about that. We need to look at the cause, the consequences, and the cure. Let the, let the Lord Jesus Christ come deep into your heart. Fall deeply in love with Him. Let the Word of God go from your mind to your heart. Hide the Word in your heart so that you might not sin against God. Meditate in the Word of the Lord day and night. Friend, I hope this has helped. And I want to invite any of you that might be listening, if you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to go deeper today. Maybe you've been working with a surface knowledge and Maybe even you've claimed the title of Christian because you were raised in a Christian home and maybe in a Christian, Christian-ish society. But you personally have never asked Him to save your soul and make you a new creature. That, that is being born again. If you've never done that right where you're at, on your couch, in your chair, if you're sitting on the floor, wherever you're at right now, you can turn your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I know it. I cannot overcome these things, these problems, these temptations. I can't do it myself. I've tried and I've failed over and over. I know that you died to pay for my sins, to give me victory so that I can be that new creature, so that I can be raised to walk in new life. Please come into my heart and save me. Right where you're at this morning, you can take just a few moments you can bow your head, ask Jesus to come in. And that'll be the first step in going deeper into this relationship that God wants to have with you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I want to thank you for your help this morning. Lord, we're never going to get to the bottom of this well that we call the Word of God. It has so much to offer, Lord. The more I read it, the better it gets, the sweeter it gets, Lord. It seems the deep, the deep waters seem to be the sweetest waters that come from this well. Lord, please help each and every person that's listened to this sermon to appreciate, to love, and to feed on the Bible. To grab a hold of your words and meditate on them and think deeply and God, help us to be aware of the cause, the consequence, and the cure. Let us think on those things, God. And I pray that if somebody's not saved, Father, please use what's been said today so that they go deeper into their relationship with Christ, deeper into your word. Lord, thank you for the privilege of knowing you, or rather to be known of you, as Paul said. Thank you for loving us so much. You took the first step. You came down looking for us. You came to seek and to save that which is lost. I pray you'd save someone today. Thank you for your help this morning. Please, God, bring the folks back to their computers this, uh, this afternoon as we continue on with Bible school. Thank you for the privilege of being with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Folks, thank you for joining in. I do hope this has been a blessing. And Lord willing, we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.